I once named a baby after my dad, but he cried loads, so I just left him out at the end of the street until a social worker came and took him away. Rock, Paper, Shotgun, Electronic, Wireless Show. My name is Brendan. It is the 27th of June. This is episode 49. And I am joined this week by Dave Irwin. Hello. And Alice Bale. Hello. Hi. It's wonderful to speak to you too. I am laughing because it took us probably 45 minutes to set this up because of technical difficulties. So many technical <laughs> difficulties. Um, but we're all we're all here now, and we have another new voice. We had two new voices last week, but we've got another one this week. Um, Dave, you're 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 our new guides writer. I am. And uh, we we need to get to know you. You were previously at the Sixth Axis, and you did you'd done work for various places, right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Started out years and years ago with an outlet called One Hit Pixel, who have sadly, you know, gone the way of the dodo since then. But since then, I've primarily written for the Sixth Axis as pretty much reviews, bit of news there here and there. And then last year, I decided I was going to go into a bit of freelancing, so wrote piece for Kotaku UK and a few pieces for Tech Advisor as well. And you're you're our guides person now, so you're going to be telling us how not to die in various games. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's that's pretty much the the rule in life, just how not to die. So it's 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 pretty good to have you know an idea of what to do, and I hope that the guides that I produce will uh, will at least help people get that start that they need because jumping into a game such as battle royal games or uh, rainbow six siege anything like that if you're a new player it's quite daunting so when are you going to do the dota 2 guide uh let, let's give it a bit before i do that one because uh, <laughs> rainbow six siege already has 40 characters in it and that's utterly ridiculous itself so might need something a l- little bit lighter after that <laughs> All right, cool. But we did a thing last week when we introduced um, Alice, who's here now, and uh, Noah, where we asked them. We just wanted to get to know them generally so that our listeners could know who they are. So we're going to do the same for you. So okay. we just want to know, like, what, what kind of games are you into, generally speaking? It's a bit of a cop-out answer, but I am generally into quite a lot of different games. So when I was really, really young... Uh, my first game that I ever played was King's Quest, uh, King's Quest Three, and that was on a ancient eighties PC. That if you took one look at it today, you'd just be wondering what all the ports are. Um, but it used to come in those uh, five and a quarter inch uh, floppies that actually flopped. Oh yeah. Uh, so that th- there, it was an interesting time. But that was when I was really, really young and didn't know what I was doing. And then years and years later, we got Sega Mega Drive and pretty much fell in love with all the classics, you know, Sonic, your Streets of Rage, uh, Shining Force, all those good games. And then in the, the sort of mid to late 90s, I had a fair few uh, PCs that I went through. So games like Dungeon Keeper appeared on there, obscure ones such as Little Big Planet, uh, Little Big Adventure. There was all sorts of various other games, you know, like your Metroidvanias, RPGs. There's some classic ones on PC that I've 
always been a huge fan of, like Neverwinter Nights, for example. I spent hours playing around with the GM mode on that. And sort of later down the line, I realized that actually what I really like are games that try to do something interesting and something unusual. So uh, there was a game a few years ago called Antichamber, which was sort of one of those first-person puzzle uh, games, but it sort of played with dimensions and things like that. And there was one puzzle where you could go around in circles for ages and then realize actually what you need to do is turn around and go the other way. Um, so stuff like that that's does something a bit out of the norm. That's the sort of thing that I really do dig these days. You're in good company then. <laughs> what else were we going to ask you? Oh, yes, we needed to know what the worst game the ever reviewed was. Oh, dear. <laughs> the worst game I ever reviewed, and I got absolutely crucified by the fan community of that particular game, uh, was a game called Knights of Azure 2. Which Knights of what? Knights of Azure Two. It's a Japanese. Uh, it's a bit like Dynasty Warriors in a way, in that you're running around beating up uh, various monsters and things like that on a very open battlefield. But the problem with it is the original. I kind of liked in the it had a sort of Pokemon esque monster gathering uh, mechanic in there. And it also had uh, various combos and things like that that you could do. But the sequel is rubbish. The problem with the sequel is it took out most of the stuff I liked and put in sort of weird romance mechanics that made no sense. And just... It it basically took everything I liked out of it and put everything I could possibly hate in instead. And therefore, it, as soon as I played it, I was just head in my hands why why is this happening and also every single like character is you know your typical big-breasted japanese anime waifu kind of person but the problem is they all have the same breathing difficulty so their chest do this weird sort of hyperventilation and it it just looks so bizarre and uh when my wife saw this she just took one look at it and said they need to see a doctor. <laughs> right. So here's what here's what we've learned about Dave in in these last few minutes. Uh, you you enjoy floppy disks and walking around in rooms being confused, weird colored rooms being confused, <laughs> and you don't like when romance gets in the way of catching Pokemon. Okay. Yeah, because uh, never the twain shall meet. All right. We've got you. So there you are, listeners. You know who Dave is now. Unless it's for <laughs> eggs, in which case, completely fine. All right, we've got it. I'll try and find like something to link to Knights of Azure. Knights of Azure 2. I'll try and find a link to that game yeah. um, or something about it so that people know what what's going on. Yeah, it's one of those weird, obscure games that we got sent. I mean, it's by the guys who did uh, the Atlia series, but I don't think they ever came to PC, so... I don't know. If they did, I don't know them. Yeah, it's very obscure Japanese stuff. Okay, right. Now, now we know you. That's fine. Let's get on with it. Yay! <laughs> uh, what What is our theme this week? We've got. I, I'm going to have to look this up again. Our theme this week is games you played when you weren't allowed to. John suggested this uh, in our chat room, and I think the idea is basically games that maybe you weren't allowed to play as a child, but you did it anyway. (laughs) We've all been there. So, Alice, can we think of any examples? What did you play? Were you ever told not to play something and then just snuck around to your friend's house to do it or something? My parents were more concerned with the time displacement uh, of video games uh, preventing me from doing other stuff. D- the other stuff was never defined, but it was very much like from when I was a kid, right up until I was like a teenager, but still living in their house. Like at weekends, I wouldn't be allowed to play video games without getting grief until it was past like 3 pm, because for some reason that was okay in the afternoon. Whereas in the morning, 
you know, I could have been going for a walk or something, which is one of the great things about working in games now, because I can, like, play a game at 9am and be like, screw you, mum, this is work. <laughs> um, but the one that I always remember is The Sims 2, which is, it was a weird one, like, The Sims and then The Sims 2, because uh, th- there was, uh, there's an element of, like, probably I think my mum walked in while, like, t- my Sims were making a baby or something, and was like, what's going on here? Oh, no. Um but also, like, yeah, was concerned about the amount of time that I was playing The Sims. And I would remember, like, I would go to bed and then, like, kind of wait uh, and then get up and start playing The Sims. And then, if like, in the dark. And then <laughs> if I heard my mum coming, would sneakily turn the monitor off and, like, get back into bed. Because that was, like, a, a masterful plan in my head because it's not like a PC tower makes a lot of noise or anything. <laughs> <laughs> So that was always the one I remember. And I, it, The Sims is kind of sort of a baffling, I'd like, because playing The Sims becomes kind of a job. And it gets to the point where you are... A social worker. Yeah. Um, I did remember that I once named a baby after my dad, but he cried loads, so I just left him out at the end of the street until a social worker came and took him away. Um... <laughs> oh, that's very dark. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there's nothing to be read into that, right? (laughs) But there was that. And then also um, I would go to my friend's house to play uh, Morrowind because, yeah, it wasn't, it was very just, my parents had that kind of ill-defined anxiety about sort of violence and, and, you know, spending too much time staring at a screen and all this kind of stuff. So there was never any real, like, they never really had any specific worries, but it was all just that general, like, she, sh- she should be doing something else, probably. I don't know what, but <laughs> I don't understand video games, but I don't like it. So. I like that. Ill-defined, <laughs> ill-defined anxiety should just sum up parenthood, shouldn't it? Yeah. What about you, Dave? Did you have anything that you, in particular that you weren't allowed to play? My parents were very similar to Alice's in the... It was more something they didn't quite understand rather than something that they did understand and just forbade me to play. I think the only games really that fell under that sort of window, though, are stuff like uh, Resident Evil and Silent Hill. Uh, But Resident Evil, for me, I've always had a bit of a sort of on-and-off relationship within that uh, I'm a bit of a wuss when it comes to jump scares. and. If something like jumps out of a window, like the two pooches at the beginning, then that mm. just I just turn it off and take a few minutes to hyperventilate. But um, stuff like Silent Hill, where it's more psychological, um, I've always been really fascinated by how twisted the human mind can get in terms of having particular concepts appear. So, like in the second Silent Hill game, how how the events unfold in that. I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't played that nearly 20-year-old game. Uh, Should be able to. (laughs) Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff going on in that that I've always found absolutely fascinating. And, yeah, I think they didn't particularly like the fact that, you know, it's still quite disturbing imagery for someone who's relatively young. And since my parents are Roman Catholics, they're, you know... There's a bit of coddling involved, but now since then they've, you know, they've been relatively cool um, with me playing what uh, games that I want to play, and you know, I'm old enough now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. My parents didn't care at all. <laughs> it's like the complete opposite. They just didn't. They just thought video games, whatever. <laughs> I think that probably that was a result of them looking at the screen and often thinking, well, these are just bad puppets with some fake blood. What's the what's the big deal? So they they didn't really care too much. We had a neighbour whose parents were very strict and wouldn't let him play any violent things. Did he used to come to your house then? Yeah, yeah. So we had the opposite thing. We were the safe haven. <laughs> and, uh, There's always one family. <laughs> our neighbour would come over to us. We were the bad influences. And... Uh, and play whatever, play GTA 2 uh, and stuff like that. Try and get his fix of violence. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, it was the same thing where he would only be allowed to play games at a certain time of day or at the weekend, but never during the week. Yeah, that was carefully monitored what he was allowed to play. And the, 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 like, the lines were so blurred. Like, I mean, they were allowed to play Tekken in that house, which is a violent fighting game. They're not so violent. And I think I remember there was Mortal Kombat at one point. Hmm. But other games that seemed fine, like action games, weren't allowed. So I don't know what the... Parents are weird. Why don't they have a... Why don't they just stick to their rules? I think it's more of a case that they see bits of what they see, but they don't actually see the entire game and get the full context of what their child is playing, and therefore they can't really make that informed decision. So if they see someone playing a fighting game and just think, oh, well, it's not that violent, but if they then see Mortal Kombat, think initially, oh, this is okay, there's a bit of blood, but it's otherwise okay, but then someone presses the button combination and rips someone's head off, that's probably where they draw the line. But I mean, at the same time, whenever they just look like like clay, it's probably not, it's probably not that big a deal. Mm. I don't know. Was there anything else? Anything else, either of you? Games that you weren't like? Like, were there any specific games where your parents were like, no way? GTA was probably another one for me as well. There wasn't any specific games where they said no way. I think... Like Silent Hill was probably the closest that I got, but that's because they saw the big rating marker on the uh, box. But no, other than that, my parents were actually pretty chill and still are. What about you, Alice? Did your parents ever look at like the the BBFC rating on a game and and just say, no, this will be like whenever she abandoned a baby in The Sims? (laughs) (laughs) They never did. Uh, There was one game, um, I think it was Giants... Uh, giant Citizen Kabuto that I remember getting uh, my aunt to get and she my aunt did like a real pantomime thing because I've got an older brother who's quite a bit older than me and she did a real like this is the one that your older brother wanted to buy wasn't it I was like they don't care because <laughs> um, I used to work in um, GameStop uh, not GameStop uh, GameStation before that ceased to exist and um, it was weird how like parents just didn't pay attention to those ratings and or didn't know they existed or kind of didn't understand the concept of them which was always weird to me like i i they wouldn't understand the rating system until i said you know it's like films and then they'd go oh right i get it so i probably shouldn't let my 10 year old play an 18 game and i was always like yeah that's yeah there you go my brother worked in a game as well he says the exact same thing it was that people would come in and they would have their eight-year-old child like after them and they would buy they would buy gta san andreas or whatever and he would say you know this is an 18 game and they'd be like what (laughs) and a lot of them wouldn't care but some of them would say what and they would like turn around to their kid and be like you didn't tell me this was a naughty game (laughs) and make a big show of like not not wanting to buy the game after all and like telling them you can buy fifa instead (laughs) Um, I think my brother had that as well because he used to work in an independent gaming shop and he'd always suss exactly who the parents are that actually wanted to buy the game for themselves you know disguising it as oh my child wanted this I'll be back later (laughs) just get the game lads it's cool yeah (laughs) it's fine don't be ashamed if you want to kill someone in Manhunt that's fine (laughs) I mean I mean, the person behind the counter will probably judge you for it if it's, you know, something particularly uh, risque, but that's one person. Oh, well, like getting a top shelf mag. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I think that's probably it. They just think, oh, this is like buying a top shelf mag. But who's buying that for their kids, Dave? Knights of Azir. <laughs> oh, that's definitely top shelf. And no mistake. Are there any other ones? Anything else? Any more? There must be. Basically, what I've gotten from this conversation is that all of our parents weren't too strict. We should have brought some people on who had strict parents. Yeah. It's weird, like, my parents had that general distrust of games, but then didn't really realise, didn't never really figure out what they were, really. I think that's maybe the the problem that parents have when, when their kids are like, oh, everyone else is playing GTA V or whatever. 
and they're like, cool, I'll get you GTA 5 so you can keep up with the other kids. But that, but like, some there's some weird disconnect where they can't contextualize video games as being similar to other things. And I guess that's why there's this big panic about Fortnite now with everyone going, good heavens, and suddenly realizing that kids play games. Tell us more about the Fortnite panic. Well, you get like all the mums going on like GMTV or like GMB and talking to Piers Morgan and going, my 11 year old is cross now and won't eat his carrots at tea time because of Fortnite. And then everyone points out that it's age rated 12 and they're like, yeah, but you know, in the real world, kids play whatever. But if you're cross that your child is playing too much of this game, just like take away their PlayStation or whatever. Like, Turn off the, take away the computer. I mean, either way, there's going to be tears at bedtime. So it's probably not that much of an issue to just, you know, go whole hog if they've, you know, really, really invested in the game to the detriment of anything else. I did um, read another complaint that people were saying that Fortnite was causing, or their children playing too much Fortnite was causing the kids to fall asleep in school the next day. And I just felt like that's, but that's what everyone does. I don't know anyone who didn't fall asleep in school. <laughs> I did. I mean, like, especially if you're a teenager, like your 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 teen years are basically spent like with a completely out of whack sleeping schedule. You just sleep all. You just fall asleep whenever anything boring happens in maths class. Like you can't <laughs> you can't be held accountable for that, and neither can your video games. I mean, they can a bit, but you know, don't don't talk to Pierce Morgan about it, maybe. I think that's just a general rule. Just don't talk to Piers Morgan. Oh yeah, that's a that's a rule for living, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there you are. Anyone listening whose parents aren't letting you play Fortnite, don't listen to them. You can play as much Fortnite as you want. <laughs> <laughs> you knock yourself out. We're gonna get angry emails from young mothers saying my child is playing way too much Fortnite. It's because he listened to your podcast. Your child is fine. Don't worry about it. Um, the bigger problem with Fortnite is probably you should worry about how many pinatas they're like bursting open, not how yeah. much they're playing it. Yeah, don't give your child your credit card. It's that old like joke. If you're if you're a parent like and you and you let your child play Manhunt, you should be scolded not because Manhunt is eighteen, but because it's not a good game. <laughs> you should let them, you should let them play Silent Hill too, like. <laughs> Like, don't let them play Hatred. Let them play New Doom. <laughs> Simple. Uh, okay. Let, let's move on. Let's move on. I feel like we've really early... We've exhausted this topic early because all of our parents are fine. I think that says more about our parents than anything else. But we can talk about what we've been playing. Alice, what have you been playing? Uh, I have been playing uh, Cultist Simulator. Although I should say I um, pledged, I backed Cultist Simulator for full ethics. I did uh, back uh, Cultist Simulator on Kickstarter. Um, But I do also like it. So, you know. Um, You pre-ordered is what you're saying. Yes, because that's what Kickstarter is, people. We tell people not to do that. And you did it. <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. I'm, Tell us about Culture Simulator. I'm a, I'm aware of the pitfalls of uh, treating Kickstarter like a pre-ordering server. Um, I really like Culture Simulator. I think it's weird and good. Although there is, so it's deliberately designed to not have a tutorial of any kind. You just have to kind of start, and um, I can see that being quite a barrier for entry. Um. Because it is, it's quite hard to kind of fathom all of it, perhaps, uh, because it is just a lot of trial and error and it doesn't give you, like, any help at all, really. <laughs> um, but I do think it's very good. It's it's a card game and um, you, uh, your character, are trying to kind of uncover terrible eldritch secrets and you can form a cult and you can... Um, uh, like get people to follow you and believe in you and do all kinds of nefarious things and you have to like 
juggle having money because if you don't have enough money you'll get sick and starve to death and you have to juggle like loads of different timers and stuff uh, I can see why people because I know I was it Matt was saying like he's not really sure what he thinks of it yet I'm not sure um it was someone at work was talking about it last week and was like not really sure how I feel about it yet I haven't played any so I don't know how I feel about it <laughs> I haven't either but it sounds like my kind of jam anyway it looks like the kind of game that gives you little stories and anecdotes and things that happen. Mm. So I want to know. I want to know what what's your cult like. Well, so you will die in it probably several times, um, but each time you die, you can start. It's going to start a new descent and um, start as a new character and start another cult again and figure out more of how the game works and stuff. Um, and um, what so one of the people you can play as you can start as basically is a bright young thing which is basically someone who's just an idle rich person and um gets money from doing this and that to start with and uh then uh you might you can do stuff like you can just kind of walk around the city and then you'll find like a weird bookshop and then you find weird books in there um and then you can start a cult based on um a few different sort of themes bits of law that you find so you might start a cult that's uh dedicated to like uncovering kind of earthly pleasures or one that's dedicated to sort of um forging a new world almost um so there's a a kind of a, a bunch of different kinds of cult you can form um and you run into like lots of weird different characters um who ask you for different things you can um, you can get investigated by the police because you start <laughs> doing suspicious things um, and then uh, you might have to like send one of your cultists to deal with the policemen so they might kill them or sometimes they just bring them back to your headquarters and then you just have a policeman locked in your basement um, <laughs> and then it, and then eventually the policeman will die after like enough turns and then you'll have like a body <laughs> that you can do something with like use the body in a rite and stuff and you can dream of different things and get different things from that so there's loads of stuff going on and there are a lot of timers to kind of keep juggling because it is you are just placing all these cards that represent different things on a on a like a kind of table and that's the game and so you don't really see all this stuff happening but you kind of do at the same time um it's by alexis kennedy who um who uh started uh fail better games before um and that uh did sunless uh sea and sunless skies and then uh he left that team to start his own very small dev team which is uh he and uh Lottie Bevan and then they've used um other artists and and developers and stuff as well to to put out this and it's done really well so far and I'm I'm really into it but it is very it, to start with it's not very rewarding when you first start playing it I think because there is just it's just like okay go what's like the, the the goal of your cult like do you just make it up as you go along and you don't really have a goal or do you get like is there like a point that you're trying to reach whenever you're whenever you start out there are kind of there are different ways to to there are different I guess, quote unquote, win states, I guess, to to finish the game. So one of them is um, you can get a job as a clerk to earn money on the side. And if you decide you want to devote your life to that and put your passion into that, then that's that you can end the game just like having a normal life. And that's one way to finish (laughs) the game. Give give up being a cultist because actually being a clerk is much more steady and fulfilling. Yeah. So that's one way to end the game, but you are, I guess, always trying to get sort of deeper into this, the kind of mystical forces that underpin the world. And I haven't yet managed to get like a kind of, I'm an amazing cultist end. Uh, loads of people have, but I'm just finding it difficult because uh, I'm trying not to look up how to win because there are, uh, the, there's an active community that can like teach you how to do stuff, but I'm trying to figure out everything myself. And it is easy to get stuck in a loop of just sort of surviving, you know, like in survival games where it's just like, you know, like don't starve or something where it's like, I've got my farm and every day I wake up and I go and collect all the stuff and just do that. 
day after day after day, it's it's kind of easy to to kind of feel like you're not making progress. But um, I really like the whole kind of feel and the weird tone and the kind of lovely horribleness of it. Um, so it's worth having a look at like um, maybe some gameplay videos and stuff to see if you like it because I think it you'll either really like it or you won't. When you say the actual cults themselves, is it just cults based on like outer gods and things like that, or could you have a cult to you, so the cult of Alice? Uh, no, I, well, I mean, you're the leader of the cult, so I guess you could, but um, you you have to base your cult on a thing, on like a central idea, which will you can uh, choose from like the cards that you have um, to uh, to pick what you want the central theme of your cult to be. And um, and sometimes like I sent off a bunch of my cultists to do to, on like an exploration basically, uh, and they all died. So then the cult was just me again, and I had to go out and find some other people. <laughs> so what was the central like idea of that cult, like the central theme of that cult? Ah, uh, I can't remember that one because there are, there are a bunch of different um uh kind of and they're different colors. I think it was like the the kind of red um sort of pain and pleasure kind of deal I think that one was but you you just you go out and you talk to people about all the weird stuff and then some of them will be like yes I too think this weird stuff is interesting and then you have to run like a little um induction into the cult so you have to like make up a ceremony basically using the cards that you have I mean just imagine them turning up like um Jehovah's Witnesses just two of them standing about his arm and saying, can we talk to you about whips? Yeah, exactly, yeah. How do you feel about whips? <laughs> How do you feel about tentacle horrors? Yeah. Have you read the good yellow book today? <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right, call the simulator. It sounds good. Um, we have a review of it as well. Someone reviewed it. I can't remember who. But we will link to that as well. Sorry, whoever reviewed it. I'm just like... <laughs> Sweet. What about you, Dave? What have you been playing? So I haven't had that much free time over the past week or so, but I did get to check out one game via the Steam cell, which is uh, Ghost of a Tale. The basic premise is you are a very small mouse who has been thrown into the dungeons of some castle uh, because you're a minstrel and you try to intervene when the king got a bit larry, um, larry with your wife. And now she's been captured and been held in a tower, I think, and you're stuck in the dungeon with only a rat guard who's asleep and a frog who just hates you because he hates all mice. And he's conveniently a pirate as well. So he sort of helps you, but not really. I think he more helps you just because of the fact that, you know, he wants you out. He wants to be left alone in peace and quiet. Uh, And it's basically, from what I gather so far, I only played about 10, 20 minutes of it. Uh, It's a stealth game where the slightest noise you can make will alert all the rats that are in the area guarding and you have to go and hide and steal things in order to unlock doors and recover the health, that sort of thing. And occasionally, uh, for example, the frog asked me to get the last bottle of booze and it turns out the only reason that he wants the bottle of booze is so that the rat guard can stop snoring. (laughs) <laughs> and it's keeping him awake but it's it's got promise and I've seen bits later on where you do escape said dungeon and you wander around more open areas and it does look absolutely gorgeous yeah yeah it does it's really nice looking I think the head animator um, or the man who founded the studio used to work for an animation studio like DreamWorks or something that wouldn't surprise me it, it, it does have that sort of whimsical quality to it the thing i like about it the most is it's scratching an itch that i've had since the conversation last week about um games based on the red wall series which were you know an old book uh children's novels that i used to read as a small child where 
it's basically the universe of Dungeons and Dragons, but instead of orcs and goblins and elves, etc., it's moles and badgers and rats and all sorts of little woodland critters. It's animals of farthing wood, but Dark Souls. (laughs) No. No, 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 no. It's It's not the Dark Souls of animals of farthing wood. In fact, that would be the other way around, surely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, they were just really good fantasy novels with the whimsical thing theme and you know i was looking for a game that scratched that itch and it sort of does at the moment but really what i want is larian to look at it because if they go hmm we can make a game based on that series and they can make something that's like divinity original sin and it's purely because of the new dlc squirrel night thing that this even all came up so thanks larian uh, you know, if you'd if you'd been here a few months ago, when Adam Smith used to be on this podcast, mm. you could have told you could have told him this was your dream, mm. and then he could have carried that <laughs> to his new job at Larian because he works there now. Oh, right, okay. And and he could have made that happen, but he doesn't. He doesn't isn't here anymore. So, well, I do kind of have some connection to Larian, so I could probably just suggest it to them flat out. <laughs> Cool, Ghost of a Tale. I did play a little bit of it um, when it was very early on, early access. I think it only had like the first couple of areas. It was like mm. the dungeon and the castle courtyard that you had to walk around in and do little quests for a couple of other mice who were imprisoned and wanted to escape and stuff. Um, I just remember how nice it looked, but I also felt like it was really old-fashioned as well um, because at that stage they hadn't put so much in and it was just like I don't know what it's like now but they had it. the things you were doing were more or less just hiding in barrels and bringing characters who wanted things, the things that they wanted hmm. um, There is an element of that uh, that I found so maybe it's not changed all that much since then but I don't know, I need to play a bit more of it just to get a good idea of how it is now compared to how it was back then. Oh, one thing I really liked about it as well is that um, you, you get different clothes uh, and different pie- pieces of armor and stuff in it. And I think one of the things you can get are like really heavy boots and really heavy armor. Armor, and the way the mouse walks around with it is hilarious. It's just oh, looking forward to that then. <laughs> it's just like a tiny mouse kind of like trying to move around and ton in an inside of a you know, a truck or something. It's just really, really adorable. Um, what else? Have we been playing anything else? Uh, I did today play the demo for a uh, visual novel called RB Axolotl, which I played specifically because it's about axolotls and I love axolotls because they're awesome. All right, I want you, I want you to tell our listeners about <laughs> axolotls. Okay, so um, uh, actually someone recently, uh, as a writer called Nate Crowley, did a really good thread on Twitter about why axolotls are awesome. Uh, He's at Frog Croakley on Twitter. Um, But axolotls are basically, um, they look like little swimming potatoes. They're they're like um, uh, terrestrial salamanders that um, evolved to be able to live in uh, lakes, but um, the lakes didn't have the, uh, enough of the kind of nutrients and chemicals that um, they needed to become salamanders. So uh, what axolotls did is become, uh, I think the word is neo neotenic, which is basically like they just don't bother becoming adults. They've just evolved to be able to breed in their larval state so as nate pointed out they're basically tadpoles that learn to have sex uh which is why they're so regenerative as well you can like lop an axolotl's arm off and it will just grow a new arm or like uh like it can lose like half its head and it will just grow its head back um uh uh but also uh i didn't realize uh but nate um explained that 
because of this, it means that every axolotl comes with full instructions to become a terrestrial salamander again. So if you give a, an axolotl the right chemicals, it will just turn into a really confused salamander. <laughs> Especially because like axolotls eat by just opening their mouth suddenly and then that creates like a, a like suction that then just sucks the food into its mouth underwater and then so what you get if you turn an axolotl into a salamander is a salamander that can't eat because it just opens its mouth really hard at whatever it wants to eat <laughs> why aren't you going in ah get in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> Uh, axolotls are just awesome that's that's all i have to say and you can get like they were a very rare breed um but you can get axolotls as pets um to keep in like a tank um because they are now like most of their population is as uh, pets i think so it's okay to get an axolotl as a pet now um but they are they aren't a very interesting pet to in terms of like having but they are a very interesting animal but yeah they are just like they just look like confused aquatic potatoes. And I love them. <laughs> so did the visual novel that you played live up to the reputation of the humble axolotl? <laughs> like, yes and no. Because the first one I was like, oh, it's axolotls. And it's just kind of like axolotls. Like, it's like five axolotls chilling out in a tank um, and kind of... Uh, but then it gets like really dark really, really quickly. It was like an hour-long demo or uh, 45 minutes, something like that. And I was like, oh my God, it's really harrowing, really fast. Um, and there's some interesting stuff in there about um, like, like it's suggesting like maybe reincarnation or like axolotls becoming aware that they're in captivity and stuff uh, and all this kind of weird stuff going on. So it was interesting. I mean, if you don't like visual novels, there's, you're not going to get like some a, a new reason to play a visual novel. But if you do like visual novels then maybe check out the demo. It's called RB Axolotl. And um, it has, yeah, cute drawings of axolotls in it. And also, go read about axolotls, because they're great. <laughs> cool. I'll put a thread to both, or I'll put a link to both that thread and the uh, visual novel demo as well. Cool. Um, now they just need to make visual novel about water bears. Oh, water bears are very, very cool. I like water bears. But this is the PC gaming podcast, the Electronic Wireless Show, not the Weird Animal podcast. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be talking about mantis shrimp and honey badgers and all sorts, wouldn't we? Let's do a Weird Animal spin-off. I don't know what else would be in my Weird Animal spin-off. Sponges. The blobfish. My cat is meowing in the background. I think she's a weird animal. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, let's see. I was playing Dying Light, uh, the first Dying Light, uh, but I gave up after I got into a level called The Pit. Dying Light is like the zombie game where you're a zombie parkour man. Mm. Um, sorry, you're a parkour man who kills zombies. You're not an undead parkour man. That would be wrong. <laughs> uh, but I gave up. Uh, when you you get through it does that video game thing where at a certain level it takes everything that you've got all your weapons all your skills everything away from you and then just throwing you in like a boss fight or like a you know like a horrible place and told you okay deal with that ha 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 you've no health kits anymore um <laughs> it just did that thing and uh it got it put me into a really difficult place and uh, i gave up after it which is a pity because underneath some of the frustrations. It's a brilliant game. Um, I really enjoyed uh, it. Yeah, they're releasing a sequel, um, which I've seen a demo of, so I'll link to that as well. But uh, it's really good. Be quiet, cat! <laughs> she just wants to be included. She really does. She wants to be included in everything. Shall we see what our readers have said about the games they weren't allowed to play? That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> cool so let's look we asked we asked our readers uh what games were you not allowed to play and did you play them anyway and we've had a few answers of the usual sorts vincent wallstra points out a game that i think a lot of people will probably agree with soldier of fortune Mm. 
Yeah. Um, very bloody shooter. <laughs> Pete Bloxham says, Metal Gear Solid is a stealth game. You're doing it wrong if you kill people. Or so my parents thought until they finally bought it and I started murdering everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just says um, more about him than it says about his parents. Uh, a lot of people saying the same thing that uh, we were talking about. Mino says, Resident Evil, my parents hated it and thought it was way too graphic for my little brother. So I struck a deal. I could go to a family relatives who had Resident Evil 2 and I could play it there on my own. And they just played the, uh, the game like that in short sessions. Matthew Lee on Twitter says that uh, any games we had were filled through our parents. So the selection available, uh, nothing was off limits. But to play anything, we had to do at least 20 minutes uh, on one of the sucky educational games first. Oh. Ugh. Oh, that would just put me off for life if I had to do that first. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you're still into games, Matthew. Mm. There's one from the Sage that says, "I remember getting caught playing hooky because I was playing StarCraft, and my mother would could tell I was using dial-up internet when I was supposed to be in school." So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so what did she do? She she called and heard like the dial busy the phone busy tone or something yeah uh, so e- evidently he's uh, you know playing a, uh, doing a sicky and mum went to work he spends all day playing starcraft and then she would call to see how he is and evidently got caught i pulled a sicky once to play a game but what was the game it was embarrassing well, was, i think it was black and white too i know that's not that so. That's not so bad. I think the black game. and white ge- black and white uh, games were were something you'd be excited about whenever they were coming out. Do you know what? Now I feel like black no. and white is better than black and white too. I feel like a lot of things are probably better than black and white. <laughs> Bitwar vet says I kept the games I knew were taboo well hidden. However, when it was time for bed, my brother and I would lay a towel across the bottom of the door so the light from the TV wouldn't show, and we'd stay up late playing them. <laughs> that's a much that's a much better scheme than your turn the monitor off. Yeah, I know. Uh, tactic. Mm. Didn't want the light from the door. That's like that's like spycraft. That's pretty, yeah, it's James Bond. It's Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. That's next level subterfuge there. Also, if there was a fire in the rest of the house. They would have been insulated from the smoke, so well done. Well done, bit more <laughs> There's one from Jackalope. Willie Beamish and Police Quest didn't play them until I was an adult. Strangely, Wolfenstein was allowed and Doom was perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. What else is there? We're getting lots of responses for this. It's good. Mm. David Will says, I got in trouble when I was caught playing Sin, a Sin death match as a kid. To this day, I'm still not sure if mum was more angry at the guns or the spectacle of Alexis Sinclair running around in a G-string. <laughs> so it could have been either or. I never played the Sin games, so I'm not sure if they were good or not. I'm not familiar with them either. Uh, there's one on Facebook from Marcel Harsey. Sorry if I've got your name wrong. Um, your childhood innocence ended when you played Postal for the first time. And you knew your parents wouldn't be proud of you. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a really good one from Industrial Beep on Twitter. My dad once saw me playing Morrowind, during which I killed a skeleton. He reacted with horror and took the game away from me. I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's true, but it is funny. It is funny. Uh, anymore on Facebook. Nacho Fernandez says, My brother forbade me to play Quake 2, but I remember playing it th- thanks to some hack 4 on Windows 98. So basically he figured out a glitch where you could select cancel on the logging screen, and then it would take you to a default user and you could play the game that way. <laughs> without without having to log in to like, his, brother's, his brother's user. So from then on I could play, but he caught me and I couldn't touch the PC for six months. I once deleted my brother's save on an RPG by accident, and he 
Classic. He never forgave me after that, and I was banned from playing that game. Why would you forgive you? I mean, like, what did you do? What did What did you delete? I saved over it. No, but what game was it? Oh, it was on the PlayStation uh, Grandia. It had some weird save system on there. Um, That's a real sibling sin. Mm. Like, deleting the game. Yeah, I ex- so I accidentally saved over my brother's save file on Knights of the Old Republic. Ooh, okay. Time out. Time out. Yeah. It's one thing on the JRPG, but for... How far had, had they gotten into it? Uh, I don't, well, I mean, judging from his reaction quite far, yeah. It's not happy. All, all those decisions. I know. <laughs> all those decisions. The light side points. Gone in a yeah. heartbeat. Oh, you're the ultimate Sith. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. Chaotic neutral, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So thank you for those um thank you for those responses. Uh there's been a lot more. Um I'll I'll probably just link to the Twitter th- the Twitter thread from from that question and let people read them um, themselves because uh, there's quite a lot of people talking about Carmageddon and Resident Evil and Postal and Counter Strike and basically all of the ones that you might expect mm-hmm. uh, Mortal Kombat stuff like that. So I'll link to that and let people read that. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it. That's that's what that's that's our podcast. It's done now. It's finished. Anything else to add on the subject of playing games when we're not supposed to be playing games? Uh, you got to fight for your right to party, kids. What our listeners don't know is that we've all just been sitting here playing Postal while we've <laughs> while we've been talking. Yeah, let the fl- the flowers will grow today. Okay, cool. Um, if you want to email us with suggestions for future themes, you can do that. Uh, the email address is podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook uh, at Rock Paper Shot. We're also on YouTube as well. We've got our new video team making videos. Um, they've done one recently, I think, is all of the upcoming games uh, for the rest of 2018. So you can check that out on YouTube. We're at Rock Paper Shot there as well. And yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening to the Electronic Wireless Show. Do you want to say bye-bye? Bye, everyone. Go through it. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Fused aquatic potatoes. <laughs>